the copyrighted program created by Rio Grande. Los Angeles Police calling all cars, attention all cars, broadcast 199, the escape criminal. Suspect described as male American, 36 years, 5 feet 8 inches, weight about 140 pounds. This man is wanted in connection with a murder and jailbreak in Memphis, Tennessee. Arrest and hold. That's all. Rose and Clerks. Cafes throughout the state were widely acclaimed for their excellent coffee and all used the same well-known brand. You would, as a reasonable individual, give that coffee credit with having superior qualities not found in other brands. And if it cost you no more than the coffee you have been grumbling about, you would certainly give it a trial, wouldn't you? And that is why so many have joined the ever-growing army of motorists who always use Rio Grande crash gasoline. The fact that Rio Grande Crest is the exclusively specified favorite of officials in 30 leading cities and counties of California means something. So does the practical testimonial of more police cars, fire engines, ambulances, and other emergency equipment being powered by Rio Grande Crest gasoline wherever it is sold than any other brand. And added to these highly significant facts is the happy discovery that all those as favorite gasoline are those who drive the most delivers quicker starting, even flowing acceleration, great reserve power, and a maximum of available speed. It costs no more than ordinary gasoline. All these vitally important facts have won for Rio Grande Crest, the mighty following of loyal motorists who keep their cars running more smoothly and efficiently. Crest gasoline will convince you, too, when you give it a try. So be kind to your motor and your pocketbook as well. On your way to work tomorrow morning, pull in at your Rio Grande dealer and get police car performance with Rio Grande Crash Gasoline. It is our privilege again to present Captain C.B. Horrell, acting night chief of police of the Los Angeles Police Department. Captain Horrell. Although the case we are to hear tonight did not originate in Los Angeles, it was through the watchfulness of local police officers that the criminal was captured and returned to the scene of his conviction. This story is another example of the cooperation between law enforcement agencies in every community, which makes for violation of law an unprofitable proposition. It is significant, moreover, that every criminal involved in tonight's drama had extensive prison records. The man captured in Los Angeles was not only an habitual criminal, but a fugitive from justice, with a prison sentence outstanding against him. None of the crimes portrayed tonight would have happened had the law been enforced to its fullest extent when each man was originally incarcerated. I shall have more to say on this case at the end of the program. Murky Cafe on the edge of Memphis, Beale Street. The air rank with sales of of smoke and the smell of cheap liquor. A tinny piano blared out a popular tune. Shortly after midnight, three souls through the swinging door. 
God, right. 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 Another one. Right. Hey. White Phil. Over there. Hi, Jim. Hi, Phil. Come here. Why don't you clean the stump up? It smells bad. Yeah, it might not be a bad idea. You might start here. You keep out of this. You boys are little chunks. You better go on home. Listen, who's drunk? Hey, Lawson, I see you are. But you don't, do you? Yes, I do. And what about it? You can't talk that way to my buddy. Say so now. Look, you punks. Get going. Who says so? Come on, Hank. Let's get this over with. Right with you. Get your 50 hands off of it. Okay, boys. Let's do it. Oh, hey, you can't get away with that. Hit my pal, will you? Oh, really? Oh, yeah. All right, Hold the door open and heave it up. We'll be back, Rat. With what? You'll be just as welcome as you are now. You want to call the cops? But I'm punk now. They're up past the bedtime now. Let's get things live up. Joe, get busy on the library. Okay, Phil. Stick around, Charlie, or three out of hand with his much. Yeah. Now, look what they got to drop on the field. Yeah, listen, Wendy. Isn't it? I saw Dean outside in the car. He drove up with it. Never mind. I don't like whispers. Huh? It ain't polite, so cut it off. Yeah. Hey, you with the piano. Play. I said play. Yeah, you might as well tap the pill, Bob. We can use it for cigarettes. Yeah, get it. I'll get you for this, you rat. Stop, monkey. How's about a dance, Bob? Yeah, why not? Okay, Mark, pick him up and put him down. Put the light. Hey, what's that you riding that horn? There's a gun top on this way from the corner. Okay. Where? Right over there. He's fixing the car. Let him have it, Bob. It's a pleasure. He's getting up. He's going to get his gun. I know he ain't. Get going, Pete. There's another bull coming around the next corner. Get going, Pete. Scram. Within five minutes, the district swarmed with police officers and detectives. Most of the cafe patrons had disappeared. The proprietor, though he had seen the gunman before, was of no assistance. He had no idea as to their identity. More than 12 hours elapsed. Then an anonymous telephone call sent officers speaking to East 116th Street. There they found a man badly wounded, lying in a driveway. He had been jumped from a passing automobile. Taken to Central Station, the wounded man was identified as Bobby Walsh, recently paroled from a reformatory. Four weeks, Walsh lingered between life and death. His indictment for the murder of the policeman did not deter his recovery, however, and weeks later he was placed in the murderer's role of the Shelby County Jail. We turn back the calendar now to the night of the raid on the cafe. In a house at 275 Raven Boulevard, a man and a woman are talking. I tell you, you've got to give me diamonds tonight. And I tell you for the thousandth time, I haven't got them. Where is money you've got for them? What money? You sell the diamonds, no? <laughs> me sell hot junk? Say, what do you think I am? I think you're low-life thief. I think you steal from your own mother. 
And I think you're going to give me diamonds or money before I go away from here tonight, or I shoot you. Hey, what are you going to do with that gun? Put it down. Now, you listen to me, you flying Dutchman. I'm sick of having you hang around here. First you said Jackie tale about your sister, and now it's diamonds. Now you get this and get it straight. If you ever show your face around here again, I'll blow it off. You get me? Yeah. Yeah, I get you. I'll give you $8,000 worth of diamonds to keep for me. You say you sell them and give me money. You lie to me. Just like you lie about my sister. You say she's free to go. But how would you send men to bring her back, back here to this house to live and to do the things you make her do? No. She not come back here to live. She come back here to die. Just like you're going to die tonight. No. I didn't do it. I didn't do it, I tell you. Keep away from me. I'll shoot you out. <laughs> now what you do, huh? Now you got no gun. I got gun, see? Okay, wise guy. You think so? Well, what do you call this? I always keep an extra one handy. Now get going. Stop. Don't come in close to I told you I'd do it. And I told you I'd do it too. <laughs> Three weeks later, in the belfry of a church on the outskirts of Columbus, Mississippi, the sexton discovered the fleeing man. Frightened at the stranger's presence in the belfry, the sexton notified officers who captured the intruder. He gave a series of names, including that of John Revenski. Cullen and Morose is returned to Memphis and placed on trial for the murder of May Goodwin. Case of the people of the state of Tennessee, plaintiff versus John Rubinsky, defendant. The counsel will resume his examination. As you remember, Your Honor, Rubinsky had just begun his story when we adjourned. I'd like to have him continue from that point. Proceed. Now, John, go ahead with your story. Well, it's just like I say. I come to this country in 1916. Get me a job in Brooklyn. I just came here from Poland. Did you have your sister with you then? No. No, she came over after. I sent for her. Is she... Uh, was she the only family you had? Yeah. Yeah, she was all I have in work. Tell us what happened then. Well, I've been here a couple of years. I meet May Goodman. She was no count woman. She keep a place in Brooklyn. She had other places in Chicago and one out on West Coast, too. Did uh, May Gooden ever meet or talk with you, sister? Yeah, yeah, she met in Brooklyn. We go to party one night. This woman, May Gooden, was there. She see my sister and she tell her to come see her sometime. And did your sister visit this woman? Oh, yeah, yeah, she go see her the next day. Then what happened? Oh, I don't know. I don't see my sister again for, well, many weeks. And when I do... Go on. When I do, my sister, she tell me, what did she tell you? Well, it's pretty hard for me to say, but she tell me she, she, yes. Well, she tell me she's woman like me, good one. And she cannot leave a place where she lives. Why not? Because this woman will not let her. You mean that she was being kept prisoner in one of the places run by this good one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you do? Well... I tried to see my sister again, but they tell me she's gone to Chicago. Did you go to Chicago? Yeah, yeah, I go there, but I cannot find my sister. Did you ever see her again? No. No, I, I never see her again. Did you ever see May Goodwin again? Oh, yeah, I see her in Chicago. She tell me, she tell me my sister's dead. Was she dead? Yeah. 
I found out after the work, my sister killed herself. What was the attitude of May Goodwin at this time? What's that, please? I mean, how did she act? Oh, she is very friendly. She says she's sorry for me and for my sister. And she told me she had a job she wanted me to do for her. What was that job? She wanted me to steal some diamonds for her. Did you do it? Oh, yes. Were you apprehended? What? Arrested for it? Oh, yes. Yes, I was sent to prison for it. Did you serve your time? Oh, yes. When did you see this Goodwin woman after that? Well... I went to her to get the money. She promised me for the job I'd done for her. Did you get it? No. She told me she wouldn't give it to me. Then what happened? She laughed at me. She laughed about my sister. Then uh, what did you do? What I do? I slapped her face. Did she do anything about that? Yeah, she pulled out gun, said she shoot me. Uh, why didn't she do that? Well, I hit her again, took gun away from her. And then what happened? She pulled another gun out of breath and drawn and shoot at me twice. Did she hit you? No, no, she missed me. Uh, what did you do then? I shot her many times. And then, well, then I run away. Your Honor, gentlemen of the jury, that is our defense. The recital of the prisoner was taken with a few grains of salt for the jury to return the verdict of murder. The prisoner listened to his sentence with stoical calm and was conveyed to the county jail. Here, the threads of our story becoming woven again. Rodensky was placed in a cell in murderer's row and by a strange coincidence became the cellmate of Bobby Walsh. Unknown to authorities, certain of Walsh's jailers had been allowing him special privileges. Into the midst of this lack of discipline, John Rodensky was thrust. Hey, Bobby, here's a friend to see you. Thanks, pal. Oh, hi, honey. Hi. Well, how are things, kids? Well, we just about got the job set. Hey, who's the new boyfriend? Uh, Rulinski, the guy that wraps up May Goodwin. Oh, yeah, I've heard of him. Well, we'll introduce us, Bobby. Yeah, sure. Hey, Rev. Uh, Come here. What do you want? I, uh, want you to meet a friend of mine. Peggy, this is John Rulinski. As handy a man with a 38 as you care to meet. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> How are you, Peggy? Not bad. You know, I think we can use you and Bobby. What do you mean? You see them bars at the bottom of the door? Yeah. Well, what about them? They look solid, don't they? Yeah, but what's that going to do? Tell on one of them. Well, I'll be a son of a... <laughs> How you doing, eh? <laughs> My girlfriends all wear corsets. Corsets? So what? So hacksaw blades make good corsets, they... Yeah, but, but how do you get them out? I don't understand it. <laughs> oh, for the love of Mike, where do you think Bobby's been going when the guard lets him out every night? Oh. Oh. <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> hey, that's smart. Hey, you got a friend there? Yeah, <laughs> oh, sure, sure. But tell me something. They let you out at night. Why you have to go to all this trouble? Hey, don't let me out of the jail, you dope. Besides, I got a pal who's going with me. Uh, you in with him? Me? Sure, why not? Where do I got to lose? Okay, let's get busy. Come on, let's sing. Sing? Yeah, got to cover up the noise the stores make. Get going. You're plenty crazy, but I'll do what you say. What are you going to sing? Well, let's see. Oh, if I had the wings of an angel,
the night passed. The day of Walter's trial was drawing near. It was well after midnight on the morning of June 23rd when two deputy sheriffs made their routine round of the cell block for bunker-related peering into the cell. All was quiet. Only the rasping of snores broke the stillness. They reached the heavy door leading from the cell block to the jail office. The turnkey threw back the bolt. The massive door creaked on its hinges. There was a clatter of feet on the iron floor behind them. The deputy failed to look into the muzzles of two guns. Stick them up and be quick about it. Get that punch in here. Get the guns, Charlie. I'll turn them. Come on, come on, you hurry. And that'll hold them for a while. Locked up in their own jail. Hey, Bob, we've got to have more guns. I'll find them in that cabin over there. You want to break it over? Yes, yeah, smash it. Okay. We'll leave by the window. The outside door's locked. That'll keep anybody else out for a while. Where'd you get the car? Uh, we're taking a taxi from across the street. Police and sheriff's officers started immediately on the trail of the two men, but they had almost an hour's start on the police. John Mullins told the officers, Yes, sir. I'll show them. There was three men climbed out of the window on the hotel side of the building. Which way did they go? Well, uh, they ran across the street and jumped into one of them taxis that parked there. You didn't happen to get the number, did you? Yes, sir. I figured there was something wrong when three men slid down a rope from the jail window. So I watched where they went and, and I wrote down the number of the car. Here it is, uh, right here. Fine, let me have that. The police rounded up the taxi driver for questioning. Did you pick up three men near the county jail about an hour ago? Yeah, I took them out to Prospect and Old 50th Street. Did you see where they came from? No, I just walked up to my cab and told them where they wanted to go to. Well, what did they do when you got to Prospect and 50th? Oh, they got out and got in another car and then they drove off. Who drove? Well, there was a girl in the car. She was driving. Did you get the number of the car they transferred to? Why should I? It wasn't none of my business what they done. All right. That's all. Two weeks passed, and no trace of the fugitives was found. The hunt had begun to lag when two men strolled into the station and asked to see mud pictures of Walsh and his pals. Suspicious, detectives trailed the men to the office of the manager of the suburban bank. They watched the men enter the manager's office, then stationed themselves where they could listen to the conversation. Hey, this joint is going to be stuck up. How do you know? We've seen the layout, and we know the guys is going to do it. Yeah, the tough monkeys, and they won't stand for no fooling. Well, what's the idea of coming here and coming me? You offer reward for bank bandits, don't you? Well, certainly. But the men must be caught in the earth. Well, if you're tipped off, you can be prepared. Yeah, where do you come in? We want a grand pass for the tip. Well, how do I know you're honest? Ah, don't worry about that, pal. When we tell you who these birds are, you'll know we're on the level. Well, who are they? If you don't mind, I'd like to get in on this. Well, who might you be? Oh, almost anybody. But I happen to be Detective Captain Costello. This is Officer Murphy. We've been listening to these two birds making your proposition. We'd like to learn a little more about it. And you ain't got nothing on us. Nobody said we had. But we're going to find out who these boys are who are going to pick up this bank. Well, what makes you think we're going to spill? Because I don't think you'd like jail any better than the next fellow. We ain't done nothing to get in jail for. Maybe you don't call this deal extortion, but I do. You don't remember me, do you? I'm the man that okayed your request to look at mug pictures of Walsh and his friend Charlie. Now, unless you want to go down to headquarters and tell us there, you'll start spilling here. Okay. We'll flip you the dope. Get started. Well, we happen to know that them two monkeys are living out on Quinn Street. 
And we know they're going to stick up this joint. We've seen the layout of the place, and we know just when they'll do the job. Where is this place? It's uh, the storied house in the corner on the left-hand side. Who else lives there? An ex-Cinder Dick rents the joint. Uh, Walsh and his buddy hang out with him. Ex-detective, huh? Who is he? I only know his first name. They call him Mars. He's under indictment for something or other. He's a tough boy, too. You'd better be ready for anything. No, worry, we will. Okay, Tim, take these birds down and hold them for a while. We don't want them tipping that gang off. Okay, Keith. A few minutes after nine o'clock, Costello and a group of officers slip quietly up to the house on Gwynn Street and surround the place. So silent is their approach that they swoop down on the man sitting on the porch, and before he's aware of their presence, the ex detective is captured. Jim, get a couple of the boys to take over on this place. You and Bo will come with me. Yes, sir. Come on, you. Hey, sounds like the boys are having a late supper. Yeah, sounds that way. And remember, Charles, he ain't gonna be taken alive. That's one. Yeah. Yeah, it goes for me, too. Well, for murder now, we might as well make a good job of it. Come on, let's take him. Hey, one move for me to you, birds, and we'll blast you. Take it, take it, you fellas. We ain't gonna get punished. Make a grab for those guns and we start shooting more. Yeah, yeah. Gather them up first. Okay, Keith. Now, pick out your mitts, boys. Go get them, Bowles. Put the cuffs on them. Get away from me, copper. Nice work, Bowles. We won't get tough to quit next time. Well, what are you standing there for, Charlie? Get a move on. Or do you want to smack in the jaw, too? No, no, I'll go, I'll go. Where's Ravensky? How do I know? Where's your Bob? Come on, Walsh. Where's Ravensky? You'll never get him, cop. He's headed for the West Coast. You think we won't, huh? That shows how little you know about police methods. Yeah, come on, boys. Load him in the car and let's get back. Our scene shifts to Los Angeles. Months have elapsed. In the central station in Wilmington, the Coleman Barber is discussing the prospects of the night with his partner. Outside, the fog swirls in thick eddies around the street lamp. Motor cars pass less and less frequently. Wilmington sinks into fog crowded drowsiness as the two officers prepare to go on duty. Well, anything new for tonight's meeting? No, things have been pretty quiet all day, according to these reports. Oh, say, by the way, have you seen my little black book? Not since last night. Why? Oh, wanted to check over some of the boys. <laughs> Always looking for excitement, aren't you? <laughs> What's exciting about taking some of these crooks that drift in here, huh? Boy, I'm telling you, you're going to wade into some birds someday who will really scramble you. Uh, I haven't seen one yet. As a matter of fact, I've never seen one of those monkeys who won't run if he thinks he's in a tight spot. Well, if I see any of them, I'll take them. But I'm not going to waste any time looking for them. Well, there's one fellow I've been looking for for a long time now. You mean, uh... Ravinsky? Yep. I'm going to see that mug of his someday. Well, how come you're so bent on getting him? Oh, I'm no more anxious to get him than I am any of the others, but I've got that picture of him fixed in my mind, and I'd like to get rid of it. Now, you worry too much. Come on, let's get on the job. Okay. Oh, say, uh, what time is it? Huh? Uh, five to twelve. Oh, well, still got five minutes. Well, give it to the city. Come on. Look at that. Bob. Have a hard time catching crooks in this stuff. I never can tell what'll happen on a night like this, huh? Remember that time that we had to answer that call about the man beating up that woman? Yeah. 
Fog was so thick they couldn't see me standing on the corner waiting for the wagon. Boy, that was a walk, bringing that guy in. Well, see. Hey, wait a minute. I saw something move back in that store. Huh? Let's take a look. See? Right back there. Somebody getting into that cash register. You're right. Now, look. You go around the back and outside the front door. If he starts out here, I'll get him. If he runs out the back way, why, you let him have it. Okay. I'll whistle when I get around there. Hey, Barber, he's coming out the front. Hey, where'd he go, huh? Hold it. Hey, stop. There he goes around the corner. You went right through that glass door when you blew that whistle. There he is, right now. Hey, stop this. Let me get in on this, will you? You got him. Oh, didn't he still running? Get away from me with that thing. I don't want to get shot. Ah, you're not going to get hit. Here goes. Can't stop him. Come on. Don't do it Oh, shoot. Got me. Got me, brother. Ah, where you hit, guy? Oh, oh. Hey, Smith. Shine your flashlight down here. Okay. How's that? Mm. Jumping catfish. It's Ravinsky. Oh. How proudly many a motorist declares he has gotten 50 or 75,000 miles out of his car. We enjoy the same pride in checking the speedometers of police cars, fire engines, ambulances, and other emergency cars throughout the state of California, and finding that last year these cars drove 55 million miles, powered exclusively by Rio Grande Cracked Gasoline. And indications are that these official cars will beat that noteworthy record this year. Join the parade of satisfied motorists who demand and get police car performance of Rio Grande Cracked Gasoline. Turn in at the nearest Rio Grande station tomorrow morning, and while there, ask the attendant what we mean by Sinclair eyes for safety. He'll tell you that Sinclair motor oil have what it takes in this modern day of high-speed motors, that even though the weatherman goes crazy with the heat, and you push your motor to the extremity of great speed, this smoother, tougher lubricant will not break down. The patented Sinclair process takes care of that by completely removing these two notorious robbers of engine efficiency, petroleum jelly and wax. Follow the trusted example of 52 railway systems, 150 major airlines, airports, and airplane manufacturers, great fleets of ships that sail the seven seas and millions of motorists in 45 nations of the world. Have your Rio Grande dealer give you a refill of Sinclair Opaline, the final lubricant, that is as smooth as it's tough, but it's only 25 cents a quart in Tampa Proof Camp. Give your automobile police car performance with Rio Grande Cracked Gasoline and Sinclairize for safety with the worldwide favorite Sinclair Motor Oil. And now, Captain Hall. Levinsky was removed to the hospital and later positively identified as the man sought by Memphis authorities. Through the accurate records kept by police departments in the cities affected, there was no trouble in establishing the prisoner as the wanted man. Levinsky was returned to Tennessee to pay for his crime. Thank you, Captain Hall.
from the police calling all cars, attention all cars, the cancellation of broadcast 199, the guardian escape criminal. The specialist case is now in custody. That's all. Old and quick. Copyrighted program created by Rio Grande. California Highway Patrol calling all cars. Attention all Highway Patrol cars. Be on the lookout for a car with a damaged headlight. Possible crash fender on the right side. This car is involved in an accident on Highway 99.